Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are intelligent. You make all the right decisions. You were smart before smart was cool, and you made it cool again. You have a wealth of knowledge, and you are so very clever. <laughs> I bet you already knew I was going to say that, you genius. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you hear you could save big when you switch to Progressive. But I'm pretty sure you already knew that, too. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I Chicago! Welcome into the latest edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, where we would be very okay with going back to the analog way of doing things because the digital age terrifies and saddens us my name is james Navo from nbc5 chicago and with me as always albeit a little bit delayed today because every computer in the world has decided they hate us jay zawoski of 670 the score jay your computer was having issues my computer just had issues hopefully now that we're actually talking to each other and getting into the groove of the hockey talk Hopefully everything will work now. Our computers are functioning like the Blackhawks power play. That's uh, oh, <laughs> that's about zing. how it's going. <laughs> yeah, man, it's just it, it's been a weird, weird day so far. It's always it always seems to happen when I have a day off of work that everything just kind of goes weird, right? I mean, on days when you're working, it just seems like you go on autopilot. Everything's cool. Everything's great. But then when you're looking forward to kind of having like a day to kind of kick back a little bit. Everything just kind of has that tinge of weirdness to it. I don't know. Well, that's see, been... that's how I am on Sundays. Like Sundays, um, I usually get to sleep in like maybe an extra hour, like, and it just completely throws my whole day off. Where I felt yesterday, I just could not wake up. Just felt groggy, kind of crabby all morning, like no particular reason. Just like maybe I slept too much. I don't know. I went to bed at eleven thirty and woke up at. 8 30 like that's not a crazy amount of sleep it's not like i slept till noon just i just could not get going yesterday it was the strangest thing and then today you know wake up my usual time at 5 30 and felt and i felt great all day so who knows i don't know it's just weird i think part of it has to do with my diet and my body's all like what is this new stuff you're putting in me like why is there no breading on this <laughs> you know, like my body doesn't know how to react to me eating better. It's very strange, and and I've had headaches. I felt like really tired a couple days. Um, not not. I mean, obviously, I'm very hungry, but um, I'm down eight pounds in two weeks, so that's good. And feeling better, you know. Uh, I don't know, just f- kind of feel better in general. But there are moments where my body's like, "What is happening? I don't know. I don't See, know how to process all this." Yeah, this is like a really weird edition of the podcast then because your body's going through like all the changes that come with a diet and I, notorious for being late and unprepared and just kind of shooting from the hip on this podcast stuff, I actually wrote out an agenda for today's podcast. 
don't ask me why, but I felt compelled. I just like felt this itch to just be like, you know what? I'm right now what we're talking about. So you want to get started on Let's that? Let's go. Let's do it. All right. For the first segment of the show, I thought it would probably be a good idea to talk about the Blackhawks. Hmm. Call me crazy. Call me, you know, you know, new fangled, new agey, whatever. But I figured, you know, let's talk some Blackhawks hockey. I'm really glad you ahead. planned this all out, James. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God you did this. What will we do without How it? All jokes aside, <laughs> I I did actually want to say we should talk about the two games over the weekend because I feel like those are still fresh in everyone's minds. Maybe they didn't necessarily watch them with the critical eye that you and I did. So let's go ahead and let's talk about the games. We'll start with the Minnesota game on Saturday, which the Blackhawks ended up winning 2 to nothing after going scoreless through most of it. And I wanted to start with kind of the positive uh, impressions from that game. I thought there was some really good uh, puck possession play from Cody Franzen and Duncan Keith. Cody Franzen had a 74% Corsi in the game, which is absolutely insane. Really, the team as a whole did a great job in that contest of kind of dominating puck possession and really keeping it away from Minnesota. And I thought they did a good job overall. And obviously, Corey Crawford was absolutely incredible, as he has been all week and really all season. And I, I thought it was a good win, and I... I liked a lot of what I saw in that game. Yeah, I agree with you. And it's funny, you know, as the season's gone on and we're starting to see, like, what the Blackhawks really are, it's sort of been the opposite of what we expected. I think the D, um, not offensively, they haven't been great, but they're holding, you know, the t other teams down. Corey Crawford's a big part of it, but they're not getting scored on a lot. There's moments here and there that are really scary, and Corey Crawford more often than not has bailed them out of those. But I think the D's been better lately, and the offense is nowhere to be found. Man, mm -hmm. I don't want to – I'm not going to just rip – it's not this one guy's fault, but, man, Patrick Sharp is just not an option to do much of anything anymore. I thought for sure, you know, a, a season to recover after the surgery, rejuvenation on his old team where he had the most of his, most of his success during his career would sort of bring him – man, he's just been nothing. He's been not a thing at all. And, uh, man, he's just been nothing. He's been not a thing at all. Mm -hmm. And it's it's, uh, it's kind of scary. Like, you counted on him for 15 goals, and even yep. now that seems like it's a pretty big stretch. Yeah, yeah, and you're absolutely right about that. I think that guys like him have kind of been slow to get out of the gate, and another guy that had been slow out of the gate but actually had a really solid game on Saturday was Artem Anisimov. He scored the power play goal that ended up putting the Blackhawks ahead. Won 63% of his draws in the game. Just overall had a really solid contest. And another guy that drove a lot of the possession and really created a ton of scoring chances, Michael Kempney. Had a team-high six uh, shots on goal in the game. Thought he looked really assertive, really good, really liked what I saw from him. Overall, I thought the Blue Liners on Saturday did a nice job, and I thought Kempney was especially noticeable. I know that everybody's been so focused on Brent Seabrook and kind of his struggles. I thought it was nice to see Michael Kempney get a bit more assertive on the offensive side of things. I agree with you, and I think he sort of solidified his spot as an everyday player on this team. And he's not going to do anything spectacular, but he's going to give you steady play on both ends of the ice. He's a guy you can trust, uh, a guy you can count on to just go out there and not get you hurt, I guess you'd say. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, those possession numbers are terrific. They were pretty good last night, too. Um, it's just... The problem is they don't they seem they lack the playmakers they used to have. And yeah, mm. you still have the guys up front, but we sort of undervalue what Brian Campbell brought, what the younger version of Johnny Oduya brought, what Nicholas Jalmerson brought. Um without those guys and guys like that, the D is just kind of, there's a lot of ordinary on that blue line and that's sort of my theme and the word that sort of resonates to me about the team in general this year they're just kind of ordinary they're middle of the pack maybe a playoff team maybe not regardless they're not gonna they're certainly not gonna win a stanley cup this year it's just kind of they're just kind of meh and that's sort of the worst place you can be mm -hmm. you know and you have we've discussed ad nauseum brent seabrook's contract you got a lot of years left on kane and taves and those guys are still playing well of course but it just sort of seems like this season is really more of a, okay, let's see what we have coming through the pipeline. Is Alex Dabrinkic going to be a star player like many predict he will be? 
is Connor Murphy going to develop into a top four defenseman? You know, what is Michael Kempney? What is Jan Ruda? Uh, and you're going to – this season is for answering those questions and then moving forward if DeBrincat turns into a star player and if Nick Schmaltz, uh, you know, can get back to the style of play he was early in the season – uh, maybe that window is reopened again, but right now it seems pretty firmly shut. And I didn't think I would say that this quickly into the season, but it's hard to make an argument for the Hawks right now. They're just they're just a very definition of average. They're the very definition of ordinary, and I can't get mad about it. You know, it's kind of the natural. It's what happens. You've got these great teams for a decade. This is the tenth year of the Hawks being relevant, right? And. Mm-hmm. You got three cups out of it. You got two more runs to the conference final. It's just kind of what happens to teams as they age. And, you know, you draft low because you've had such a good team all these years. This is not foreign. This is not something that this happens to every team that's good for a long time. So I think it's just sort of the natural progression of things. That's why I'm so adamant about Forsling, Kempney, Ruda, uh, Debrinkin. All these guys have to play. You have to see if they are legitimate nhl players that can be difference makers going forward or if they're just sort of replacement level guys uh you got to see what you have here to determine what's what the next you know five to seven years are going to be for the blackhawks you hit honestly you hit me with a lot of stuff there i think you hit all of us with a lot of stuff there it was almost like you kind of opened the fire hose up a little bit because it's a lot of what we honestly need to talk about with the team at this point in the season and for right now i'm going to try to kind of keep it a little bit more Uh, local, so to speak. I'm going to talk about these last two games specifically. We'll get into some of the big picture stuff in our next segment, but I want to get to a few of the things that you talked about. Number one, the offense being average. A big part of that, and this is the part of the show where I credit Jay for being right about about something, so everybody kind of gird your loins and get ready for this. What the hell is going on with Patrick Kane, Jay? He had one shot on goal on Saturday. Look completely disinterested last night. Had three shots on goal, but I honestly don't remember any of them. Like, he has been persona non grata for the Blackhawks the last several games. And I don't know whether he's hurt. I don't know whether he's missing Artemi Panarin. I don't know what's going on with him. But something's off. And I know that you're not the only one that's noticing it because I'm noticing it too. Fells from Faxes from Uncle Dale is noticing it. Everybody's noticing that something's off about Patrick Kane right now, and I think that might be a big part of the reason why this offense just simply isn't going, because if he's not going, then none of the other line combinations you have matter because he's the one who's the primary playmaker on this team. Well, he has to be at least a point-of-game player for them to have any sort of real shot, and uh, we've seen the last you know two, three years have been him in his prime, and I did. I noticed it early on to sort of – disinterest and i don't know if patrick kane is feeling like you know he knows that maybe this team isn't as competitive as the teams in years past may and i don't want to get into does he care is he motivated it's 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 really hard it's really challenging to do that because we don't know we don't know if there's a an injury we don't know what's going on in his life anything like that and i always hate to say because there are no results he doesn't care that's that's really unfair and i think Mm -hmm. Patrick Kane over time look he's never been uh you know Mark Messier defensively he's never been a guy totally interested in playing both ends of the ice but uh he's at least been noticeable every game he's at least done his job defensively at least made an effort to do it and you're right the last I don't know 10 games or so I just have not seen the same kind of I guess visibility is one word for it. He's just not out there generating chances like he usually does. And there have been times where I have seen him and said, what's he doing? Why, like, why isn't he skating hard? Why isn't he mm-hmm. challenging that player with the puck? Just moments like that have happened more often than they usually did with Patrick Kane. And uh, it's definitely a concern. If Look, if he's not going to have a great year, and if he's not going to be their leading scorer by leaps and bounds – there's big problems here, and and if, if mm-hmm. he can't score, then they really are screwed offensively because there's no one even near him uh, in offensive talent and offensive ability and offensive output. And this provides me an excellent way to kind of transition into something else I wanted to ask you about is the way that Joel Quenville is using Patrick Kane. And obviously we know that he's been willing to double-shift Kane whenever he's needed to, and he's obviously 
come to rely on Kane as kind of the straw that stirs the drink, so to speak. He did something last night that absolutely boggled my mind, and I wanted to get your take on it. During the power play, we all know the Blackhawks' power play has been just atrocious lately. Absolute tire fire. And the thing I noticed is that he had Patrick Kane on the point on the power play. Now, I I like to play a hockey expert on this podcast. I like to pretend that I know what's going on most of the time. Honestly, for the life of me, dude, I cannot figure out what the hell the benefit is of having Patrick Kane on the point on a power play. Aren't his best skill sets, oh, I don't know, skating through the slot, getting wrist shots off, firing no-look passes, doing the behind-the-net pass that he likes to do so much? He can't do any of that stuff when he's at the point. What is Quenville like just that desperate for offense that he has to rely on a, just a completely dopey and not effective strategy like that that blew my mind last night and I was incensed while I was watching the game because I couldn't believe that Joel would try something like that that seems so just dumb to me try to talk me down from this ledge Jay because I frankly need it well I do think it's just him sort of trying something trying anything and I guess you could say if you want a guy to sort of facilitate and, and quarterback that power play you want a guy who's an excellent passer to do it, but you're right. You're taking your biggest offensive threat and by a mile off the attack and putting him, you know, back at the blue line, just sort of distributing. You want that dude, you want that sniper sniping. Yeah. You know, you don't want him sitting there passing. And and they do lack a true power play quarterback. I This is going to sound meatballish to me, but... You know, Brandon Sod said it the other day that maybe we're just too creative. Maybe we just have too much ability. Put some pluggers out there for the power play. I remember a couple years ago, he did it. He put, like, uh, Dave Boland and some other guys, like, of that ilk out on the power play just because the Stars were just not getting the job done. And they kept it simple, like Cody Franzen does. Get puck, find lane, put puck on net. It's not difficult. It's not complicated. But they just constantly make it more difficult on themselves by trying to make the extra pass. The GD slap pass that Duncan Keith tries constantly that has worked maybe three times in his entire tenure as a Blackhawk. Stop making low percentage plays. And there was a play the other night. I tweeted about it. I think it was uh, Ruda where, no, it was Panic. Panic, there was a turnover in the Hawks offensive zone. Panic got it back because of a bad bounce and had a chance to get it deep again and lived the fight another day. But instead he stood, you know, between three defenders, stick-handled, looking for a play, and inevitably it was taken away from him. Puck goes the other way. Just make the simple play. We understand you have great skill. We understand that you can stick-handle through people. The team has more of those sort of skaters than most teams in the league. I totally get that. I get it. But there's a time and a place for it. And if you have four Guys, meeting you at the blue line when uh, when they're penalty killing, you're not going to skate through them. Maybe one in ten times it's going to work. Just simplify it. And that's what I want to see. You know what? Just for a game, show me uh, – I, God, I can't believe I'm saying this, but show me Lance Boma on the power give play. Tommy, just to stand give in me front. Tommy Wingles on the power play. Yeah, just give me a guy that's going to keep it simple and get the puck at the net. That's all it takes. Look at the power play goals they scored recently. They've been tips. It's been traffic in front. It hasn't been pretty. It hasn't been cross-ice, one-time passes. It's been ugly, mucky uh, deflections, things like that. That's how you score power play goals. It's so effing simple. Yet for years, they've had the same problem. Year after year after year, it's the same stuff, and it's so frustrating. And, uh, man, it's just... Someone tweeted me last night, like... Why is the Hawks' power play so bad? And my thought was, if I had a dime for every time I heard this, I could retire by now. Hey, Jay, hey, I, I, I have a trivia question for you. Yes. How many uh, seconds of power play time did Lance Boma have in yesterday's game? I'm going to say zero. He had a grand total of 19 seconds. You know how many seconds of power play time Alex DeBrincat had yesterday? I'm going to say zero. Zero! Zero! That is unacceptable. 
He is one of your best scoring wingers. Put him on the damn power play. I know you want your plugs. I know you want, like, different looks. How about a different look of let the rookie, who's known for scoring and known for passing, let him do his job. Joel Quenville did not have Debrinkit on a single power play the entire weekend. Zero seconds. Zero shifts. That is unacceptable for a player who scored over 60 goals in the OHL last season. Give him a shot! What's the worst that's going to happen? You've got the third worst power play in the NHL. Let him play. It's so maddeningly frustrating that he will not let Alex Dabrinkit play on the power play. Just let him do it, for God's sake. Come on, yeah. man. Well, and if, you, if, you, if you let Redmark Lazarus' piece today in the Sun-Times, he talked about how pleased Quenville is with Dabrinkit's overall game saying how good he is defensively. He's a two-way player. He's committed to it. He's a student of the game, blah, blah, blah. You know what? Reward him then. Reward him and put him on the power play. It's so simple. All right, we're long into this thing. Let's take our first time out. Let's regroup. Let's restart. I know you've got a whole outline here, so uh, <laughs> next up we'll get to your next bullet point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, I said I wasn't going to get mad, and here I am mad. Uh, but before we take a break, got to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. They're the best place to go if you need a hockey jersey, an NHL jersey lettered, it will look authentic, look like it looks on the ice, exactly to those specifications. But if you have a team, hockey, football, lacrosse, whatever, Triple Threat Sports can hook that team up with uniforms as well. Whether if you want, you know, a one-color silkscreen T-shirt or you want, you know, major league quality uh, jerseys, uh, they can get you either way. They'll help you with the logo design, the fitting, all the off-ice apparel as well. So contact Triple Threat Sports at 708-478-6090. Or email Chris at TripleThreadSports.com. Triple Threat Sports helps us with the apparel and the uh, thank yous for our Patreon and GoFundMe donors. Visit Patreon.com slash MadhousePod or GoFundMe.com slash MadhousePod. Help out the podcast financially. When we come back, we will get to James's next mystery bullet point and probably get angry about the Blackhawks a little bit more. Next up on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, where Jay and I are just angry about life in general. We're yelling at clouds, telling lousy kids to get off our lawns. However, before we get back to shaking our fists and our canes and being all mad about stuff, I'm going to give Joel Quenville credit for something. I, I, I feel compelled to do this over the last two games. I don't know if you frequent Natural Stat Trick. It is one of my favorite websites in all of hockeydom. I love it so. I was looking up who the Blackhawks' best possession players were over the last two games, and one name was near the top on both of those lists, and that name was Connor Murphy. 72% Corsi rate against the Wild. 76.2% against Montreal. And then I thought to myself, why are his possession numbers so good? And Jay, I have a secret answer for you. And you know what it is? His defensive zone starts. He had three of them against the Wild. He had three of them against Montreal. The lowest of any Blackhawks defenseman. Joel Quenville is sheltering the crap out of Connor Murphy with good results. What do you think of this move? Well, I think that that's what Connor Murphy has sort of forced so far. We've seen him make uh, big-time mistakes. Uh, including the one last night that led to Montreal's second goal. Uh, he just has not shown that he is a trustable defenseman at this point. And uh, until he earns that, until he shows that, that's exactly how they should treat him. You know, I, I've been really disappointed by what I've seen from him so far. Am I giving up on him? No, I'm not. But when you trade Nicholas Jalmerson, your best defensive defenseman for Connor Murphy, you expect a little more of a contribution right away. And that's how he was discussed uh, preseason. That's what they expected from him. And quite frankly, it hasn't been there. And, of course, I'm rooting for the kid. Uh, we both are. We want him to be good. His success equals, you know, podcast success and all that stuff. But it's just, <laughs> man, I don't know. That's sort of what you have to do at this point. I can't criticize Quenville for that. What else is he supposed to do? No, I'm not. I'm not criticizing him. I'm giving him credit. It's a, You have to do it. And he did it. And it's working, clearly. Well, I mean, is it working, though? Is he getting better? It's just, 
I don't know. I, this it's, it's hard to it's hard to contest a seventy six percent core seat. But it, like, but what, but again, what does it mean though? You know what? In in the big picture, what does it mean compared to, you know, if he was getting neutral zone and and defensive zone starts? I wonder how they would look then. And that, I mean, it's hard to really judge how a guy is going to do. But or you how have to guys... use him, if you can use him properly, then that's a good thing. And it shows me that Joe Quenville is aware of the present reality of Connor Murphy and that he's willing to use him in the way that he can be used right now. Yeah, no, you're right about that. I just I just wonder big picture, and I know, I know you want to focus on the last couple games, but it's just kind of – it's hard for me to not look big picture here because the short term, like I said earlier, is for development, is for finding out what these guys are, and – and game to game is sort of less important to me just because mm-hmm. what does it mean? Probably not much, you know, how it, see you say that, but you, you forgot the magic bullet points, Jay, the second segment of the show, my literally the first thing I typed in that list, big picture time. So please continue down the path of big picture I will bask in the knowledge that you're about to give. No, I, I, I sort of stated it already. You know, that I think what we've learned now is that this season is about the next season and the, and the few seasons after that. You've got to see what you have in these kids. And if you if they are not with you, if they don't max out, I don't think this team's a contender for a long time. I really mm-hmm. don't. And we've talked all season about, well, you know, they have cap space now. If they need to add help at the deadline, they can. But why? What's the point? Who are they going to add that's going to put them over the hump and make them legitimate Stanley Cup contenders? I don't think that player is going to be available at the deadline. I really don't. I mean, what would you add at this point? You, The first thing you'd probably want to add is a, is a defenseman that can move the puck and can defend pretty well. Um, you'd probably like to add another center, right? I just don't. I just don't know who the player is that they're going to add that's going to put them over the hump. I, I don't. I don't foresee that in a, in a league that's so uh, even. Where now there doesn't really seem to be a great team. You look at the teams in the league with the best record, and do any of them say dominance to you? Do any of them stick out as like, mm. boy, this team is really head and shoulders better than anybody else? I don't really. Tampa get... Bay might be close, man. Maybe, but Steven Samkos is always one hit from being out for the year. Right, and of course he's healthy now, but you know, I'm just looking. But they still have guys like Nikita Kucherov, and they've got you know Victor Hedman, and they've got guys like that. No, I know. I, I'm not saying that there's no one. But do you look at Tampa Bay and say they are head and shoulders one of the best teams in the league? Not really. Probably, just probably no not. But I I would say that like right now, like. There's no team in the league that even comes close to kind of scaring me as much as they do. Now, Nashville, we're going to get to them in the next segment. Nashville might be that team. And right now, but Nashville's on the outside looking into the playoffs. Bingo. So it's, that's mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the top, if you look at the uh, Western Conference, you have St. Louis, Winnipeg, Dallas, the Kings, the Golden Knights, and the Sharks with, uh, you know, and then Vancouver and Colorado. That's right. probably the well, last you know way that's... you would dream of <laughs> going into that's... the season. I don't think those would be – very few of those teams would have been on your uh, playoff team lists looking, that's looking a, ahead. That's a really good question, though. Like, everyone – we can say all we want, like, oh, the Blackhawks, you know, probably aren't going to make the playoffs, da-da-da. However, like, how many teams in the West really are conclusively better than Chicago right now? I mean, St. Louis, I would argue, is – I would argue Nashville, even though the record doesn't show it, I think they are. I think the Kings, you can make an argument, are better than the Blackhawks right now. San Jose, I think you're starting to get a little bit more into kind of like the middle of the road here. But then after that, it's teams like Vancouver. They're not better than the Blackhawks. Calgary, maybe. Anaheim, you have no idea because Anaheim hasn't really played at full strength yet this season. Winnipeg? Eh, maybe Colorado is not Minnesota. I don't think they are. I mean, it's not like the West is loaded with teams that are going to make sure that the Blackhawks don't get in. I still think it's entirely probable that this team, even with the middling performance that they've had so far, it would not shock me at all to see this team 
get into the playoffs is like the number three team in the central would it shock you wouldn't shock me no it wouldn't shock me i just don't know what it what it all means you know i, I mean what is it if they get in sure i i just don't see them making much of a run i what my i guess what my question is where is the market improvement going to come from this year you know, what's going to be the thing that propels this team to the next level that lets them take that next step? I don't I don't get that at all. I, I think it's just I, I don't see where it's going to come from, you know, unless DeBrinkett gets some power play time, like you said, and puts up, you know, 20 goals that aren't empty netters because <laughs> that mm. seems to be all he scores. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't know where the next level of play is going to come from. You know, I, I just Brandon Saad has slowed down. Jonathan Taves has slowed down. Patrick Kane, mm-hmm. we already discussed, is having a weird year. Patrick Sharp looks like, I mean, there's Sharp barely flashes during a game anymore. Mm-hmm. He's barely a factor on the ice at all. Schmaltz has slowed down since his start and his, you know, he come comes back from two injuries early in the season and doesn't look the same. It's just, I just don't know where it's going to come. Maybe all these guys find their level. Maybe Patrick Kane returns to MVP caliber play. But until I see it, I don't have a lot of hope. Yeah, they'll probably make the playoffs, sure. But then what, right? They're going to eventually meet Nashville or L.A., and they're going to get smoked. <laughs> I, I just all right, all right, well, then the – honestly, then, the question has to be asked, then, if, like, the team is as – rudderless as they seem to be if they're as hopeless as they could potentially be it is it going to be time for regime regime change in chicago is it going to be time for Joel quendell to find a new challenge after being here for 10 years is it going to be time for stan bowman to hand the reins to somebody else to try to sort out the salary cap mess that he's you know created for himself like what what's the end game then i mean you're you're not gonna you're not gonna see this organization tread water as far as i'm concerned you're not going to see them just kind of continue to try to keep the building full like john mcdonough knows he's very smart about this he knows they can't do what the bulls did which is just to continue to eke into the playoffs every year and they'd sell out every game he knows that they can't do that the blackhawks are way closer to being the Chicago White Sox than they are to being the Chicago Cubs in terms of you can't just be middling and expect to continue to draw. They will lose stature in the sports landscape of this city if they don't get their ducks in a row and figure things out. I would argue that if John McDonough feels like there is no path forward in which this team is going to get back to Stanley Cup contention within the next year or two, I don't think he hesitates to pull the lever and blow this thing up. What do you think? Well, I like this conversation. Let's take this opportunity to take a timeout, and we'll dive into that on the other side of the break. But before we take a break, I want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's family-owned and operated since 1933. Go visit them out in Crest Hill. It is an institution, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill, uh, famous for their poor boy sandwiches, which are outrageously amazing. Great burgers, great chops. Every item made in-house. They've got a uh, great bar with every craft brew you can imagine. Bagel facilities for up to 110 people. So visit marishkas.com. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash marishkas. I've got to get out there soon, man. This sort of weather, this rainy, kind of drizzly, misty, cold, windy, kind of crappy weather. Marishkas is the perfect place to go when the weather's like this. Comfort food. That's what that's what they have for you at Marishkas. So go check them out again marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas are closed only on christmas easter the fourth of july and thanksgiving so go check out our friends at marishkas when we come back we will talk about the future of the blackhawks coaching staff and front office on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast welcome back into what's quickly becoming a big picture kind of reflective edition of the madhouse chicago hockey podcast before the break I was bringing up the fact that I feel like the Blackhawks are more like the Chicago White Sox than the Chicago Cubs, where they need to win and be in a position to win in order to remain relevant on the Chicago sports scene. And while we were kind of like chatting off air, like when we were having our break, 
it kind of occurred to me that they really need to figure that out quickly because obviously the Cubs have exceeded the Blackhawks in terms of the sports landscape in Chicago with how they seem poised to just have this long run of relevance and good play. You have to start to wonder if maybe the Bears are going to do that because they've shown signs of improvement this year. And I know that they're the kings of this town when they're at all good. And they could quickly leapfrog the Hawks again. And to another extent, I think the White Sox could potentially get to that point too. If they continue the talent acquisition and bring in guys up that they've shown the last year or so since they kind of blew things up and started over again, it's pretty easy for me to see that the White Sox could even get ahead of the Blackhawks. So I feel like this team's got a lot of decisions to make in terms of the big picture or else they risk going back to that status of being, oh, yeah, the Blackhawks are playing too. Like, kind of that Chicago fire level of interest among fans in Chicago. Well, I don't know if it'll ever get that low. I think three championships have sort of kept them. um, And, you know, it's sort of become Wrigleyville, what, West, I guess you would say. Um, I I just, I think they're in danger of falling into, um, you know, fourth or fifth on on the spectrum as it is now. Two first-round exits. Look, they won the Stanley Cup two years ago. We forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, but two first-round exits, and a lot of people have just sort of said, like, eh, all right, you know, there's other stuff. There is the Cubs. And that was a, you know, winter-long celebration of their championship, as it should have been. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, the White Sox improving. The Bears are get, the Bears have a new quarterback, which is automatic news for the next five years, win or lose, right? Yep. So they do need to stay relevant. And that's, you know, we sort of got into this topic by discussing the future of Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman. And this question's come up a lot to me on Twitter. And I don't, I I just don't know what you're going to do that's going to be better than either of them. Mm -hmm. Right? Joel Quenville is one of the best coaches in hockey history. I would argue that he's maybe the second best coach in hockey right now behind Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock is not leaving Toronto to come to Chicago. It's not going to happen. So I know, like, so are we making a change for change's sake here? Are you going to find a young coach, some new up-and-comer, and and say, okay, you come up and coach Duncan Keith and Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and, you know, reinvent the wheel for these guys? It's not going to happen. I think Joel Quenville is here for the tenure of this core. When mm-hmm. Taves and Kane and Seberg and Keith are ready to call it a career, I'll bet Joel Quenville retires just with them. And that's and that's going to be it for him. I can't see them making a change. I don't know what coach is going to come into this team with this track record, with these stars, and make a huge difference. At the same time, Stan Bowman, who has had a not great track record lately, this Jalmerson thing is bothersome. It's a guy yeah. you didn't have to trade. I get why he did. We've discussed that at length. I get why he made the trade, but he didn't have to do it right now. He didn't have to. And if the window was slightly cracked open this year, trading your best defenseman, even though you might get more from him today than you would next summer or this coming summer, maybe keep that window open for one more year because this team is a hell of a lot better with Nicholas Jalmerson on the blue line than it is with Connor Murphy at this point. So, yeah, there's some things. But, again, who is the GM replacement for Stan Bowman? Who's a better option? He's still one of the most respected GMs in the game. He's a master of the salary cap. He knows every nook and cranny of it. He knows his way around it better than probably anyone in the league. It doesn't mean every move he's made has been the right one, but he knows it. He understands it. You're not going to have a Dale Talon paperwork error with Stan Bowman at the helm. He's going to have all that stuff covered. So I don't know what the better I don't know what the, the options are to improve. I really don't. So I think that this is what it's going to be. It's going to be Bowman. It's going to be Quenville. Um, and that's just what it's going to be until this core is done. What they have to do, Bowman's got to draft some impact players. It looks like he may have with Schmaltz and with the Brinkett. We'll see. But D, defensively, that's where he's going to have to start making a difference because his drafting of a defenseman has been suspect at best. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing that it ultimately boils down to is I think that if you're going to fire Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman, there's one message that that sends to me, and that's that the core is going to get blown up, too. Like, I do not see a scenario in which they try to keep Keith and Seabrook and Crawford and 
Kane and Taves, like all those guys, I don't see a scenario where they keep all of them after firing Bowman and Glenville. I don't see it. I feel like the new GM would be tasked to come in here and just basically burn everything down because at that point, who are you going to get to coach those guys up to their maximum? I don't think you have anybody like that. So that's why I find it highly unlikely that they would fire Joel Quenville in season. It's why, frankly, I think it's probably unlikely anyway. But at the same time, these are the conversations that you need to have because the championship window is very obviously closing. And if it's going to close with all of these guys still on the roster, I could see them potentially going, you know what? We need to figure something out that's different. We need to go in a completely different direction because they can't afford to just be middling. That's not going to cut it. That's not going to work. Having four or five years of Kane and Taves and those guys being a non-cup contender, of being a we're going to eke into the playoffs every single year, I, I don't see the organization doing that because I don't think it's a recipe for success in this sports market. I just don't know how you're going to – maybe you're right. And maybe they are going to blow this thing up, and, and, and I'm not saying this year, but no, no, a no, year no, or two no. down the road, you know, you might be onto something. I just don't know how – who's it going to be? They're going to trade Duncan Keith at age, what, 36? What is that going to bring back to you, right? Brent Seabrook it, it has really, – It really doesn't matter what it brings back to you. If that's the stated goal is to blow things up, it's not like you're going to get a prospect haul for anybody but Kane more than likely. Like Taves, I think you could get decent talent back, but you're not going to – your odds are you're going to have to eat a bad contract or two along the way if you want to make any of those deals give you anything of value. The two guys with value that you would trade, Kane and Taves, I cannot see playing for another organization. I can't see that happening. I think those two are Blackhawks for life. I just don't – I can't see how they – knowing how John McDonough operates, I can't see him saying, yeah, we're going to trade the faces of our dynasty, uh, two of the most legendary players in the history of our franchise, especially knowing, like we said, how fragile the Blackhawks um, – I don't know what the word is, but the Blackhawks' uh, you know, brand, brand in town, right. It, mm-hmm. It's fragile, and he knows that. And I think trading those guys, you're not going to – they don't get the level of analysis that the Cubs and Bears and, and get, right? The Hawks fans are just sort of – there are the diehards and the guys that analyze every little thing. But for the most part, the guys that are going to games and spending money for tickets, those people are not going to tolerate that. They're not going to be happy about that. Um, yeah, but they're not going to be happy being a middling team either. Yeah, it, it's tough, man. I, I, I'm i not saying I wouldn't do it. I just – yeah, this is hard I, for no, me no, no. to envision. I'm, I'm not saying there's a right answer here. It's just there's obviously yeah. there's not, but it's not an un this is not a bad conversation to have. Like this is something that I'm sure has been talked about behind closed doors. Like what the next step is, because to me, being middling is death in in terms of the Blackhawks sports brand and their cachet in Chicago. I just it's and it's so hard because like you said you, you run that risk of, like, being middling, but if you trade away your core, like, your faces of the franchise type guys, ugh, that's a, that's a whole other can of worms. Like, I I feel like they're in, like, this, like, horrific no-win situation right now. I really do. Well, the, so the question is, what's more damaging to the organization? Is it trading your the faces of your franchise, or is it, you know, middling and not and just sort of being a borderline playoff team, maybe winning a round, maybe two, uh, but not a cup. What what is more damaging to your organization? That's the question. I don't know if there's an answer to it right now. Again, we're no. 15 games in, yeah. <laughs> and we're ready to trade Kane and Taves. And I and you know I know we're we're frustrated, but I think we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. I just. Hey, you wanted to look big. No, you're right, though. These questions. This is like two, three, four years down the line. These are pertinent questions. Yeah, and I think what happens this year, especially, and this year is more important than I suspected it would be, um, this year is going to go a long way in in determining what is going to happen for the next three, four, five years of the Blackhawks. All right, let's take another timeout. When we come back, 
Uh, we'll wrap up our conversation and then open it up for emails. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is Jay Zawoski from 670 The Score. With me, as always, my partner, James Naveau. Uh, this segment on the podcast is brought to you by SeatGiant.com. Looking for tickets to a sold-out event? Looking for a good deal? Go to SeatGiant.com. When you check out, use the promo code MADHOUSE, and you will save on your purchase. SeatGiant.com. Check them out. Great place to go buy tickets that you need, including Cubs, Hawks, Bears, Bulls, all that stuff, all available on SeatGiant.com. All right. Uh, God, th- this this podcast got a lot deeper than I expected it to go. Um, we're looking, <laughs> we're trading Kane and Taves. We're folding the franchise. We're uh, tar and feathering, uh, tarring and feathering Rocky Words, running him out of town on a pole. It's just gotten chaotic after 15 games of mediocrity. Um, it's just, you know, it's kind of when you really do take a, lo- a look at this, this year is so incredibly, incredibly important to the future of this organization. But you had other bullet points, so my friend, fire them up. All right. First off, I have a gripe. I have an area mm. of grievances that needs to happen. NHL schedule makers. What do you got against the Blackhawks, man? Last week, the Blackhawks played one game in six days, and then they played back-to-back games Saturday and Sunday. This week, the Blackhawks are off for three days, and then they played three games in four days. Then after November 18th, they do the one game in six days thing again, and then they play three times in four days. I feel like this schedule of having like these games all bunched up together with like a bunch of time off, it's going to make it impossible for the Blackhawks to really gain any sort of momentum. And it kind of makes me wish they were doing the circus trip because I feel like it's preferable to whatever it is that NHL schedule makers decided to put this team through. It's incredibly annoying as a fan knowing that I have to wait three days between games and then they're all bunched together. It's just like, come on, man, space them out a little bit. Give these guys a break. This is ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's been weird. It's been a weird rhythm. You know, we we dealt with it early this year just as a podcast trying to find like two days a week to do it, but we find out it's either back-to-back or mm-hmm. like f- three, four days in between, and I'm not going to do a podcast on a you know Sunday, then a Wednesday when there hasn't been a game played. What's the point of that? And yeah. you're seeing the effect of this. You know, last night, I think the first two periods of the game against Montreal were pretty solid. Then yep. they just ran out of gas, and they lost the game. Yep. It's just, I don't know. And, you know, they have a road game, then a home game, back-to-back nights. I know it was Minnesota, but still, yeah. you got to travel, you get in late, you got to get to the morning skate, play the game early. It was a 6 o'clock start. Yep. I mean, you've got a lot of opportunities here to, to get these guys some more spacing between games. Or at least like a better like, you know, two days off instead of three or four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It's been a really weird schedule this year. Yeah, and then I think they also did the they played in Colorado and then played at home or vice versa. Like it's just like I hate that crap. Like the schedule has been just bleh for this team now. Well, and the benefit of the of the circus trip is that they get to bond a little bit too and develop some chemistry that way. They mm-hmm. get away from their families. They sort of hang out on the road. Tighten up friendships, and I think that would be great for this team with so many new faces to sort of get to know each other a little bit. It couldn't hurt, but I don't know. It's weird. It's every year there's something weird with the schedule, so I I guess it shouldn't be a surprise. But you're right; it has been seem odder this year than ever. I think. Yeah, Uh, I also had a confession to make. Um, I know we haven't done sin bin in quite a while, but I've got one today because I cheated on Cholula today. You. Son of a bee. I went, you do? I went to breakfast with a friend of mine. I asked for hot sauce. They gave me a big old bottle of Louisiana hot, and I did, I was not able to stay strong. I used it. Oh, Louisiana is excellent. It's not as uh, good as Cholula, though, man. Well, when I go out now, I actually ask for Cholula by name ah. because I, I, I'll i say hot sauce. I'm like, yeah, sure, and I'll just grab whatever. But I feel like if you ask, they usually have it. Mm-hmm. So I say it by name, like, can you bring out the Cholula? And if they look at me weird, I say, that's the one with the wood cap. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And then they'll bring it out. So Well, I actually, uh, uh, my favorite breakfast spot, which I did not go to today, does have Cholula. And that's the only hot sauce they have. And so that's why it kind of emphasized to me, like, man, I need to have some brand loyalty here. I'm doing bad. Yeah, well, I forgive you. I don't know if, the, if our if our friend zone friends at uh, Cholula... <laughs> 
will forgive you, but uh, I forgive you. I get it. Thanks, you can't. Man. Not everywhere is perfect. Yeah. You know. Are you ready to do some emails, my friend? I am ready to do emails, my friend. All right, let's do it. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Do you like food? James, you like food? Are you a fan? Uh, my gut would suggest that I do, yes. Okay, well, you should go to Chuck's then because if you like Mexican food, if you like barbecue, if you like American bar food. I like all uh, those things. How about Cajun? You like Cajun? Love it. Chuck's is your place, man. They're going to have whatever you want. They've got uh, my favorite thing they do is the Saturday special, the Cochinita Pabil, which is, which is a pork shoulder marinated, served with an orange habanero dip. Just amazing. It's mm. the greatest thing. When I get the electric chair, that's what I'm going to order ahead of time. The best meal I've ever had, the Cochinita Pabil at Chuck's. But they've got great wings, barbecue nachos. Uh, the daily specials are always on point the uh cobblers i don't know if i mentioned the cobblers enough imagine like a ice cream and a hot fruit uh pot pie <laughs> that's basically what the the uh cobblers are absolutely incredible so visit chuckscafe.com for location information and their specials uh they'll have their monthly specials listed uh at the beginning of every month so you can check out what they have going plenty of promotions including their thanksgiving brunch jump in on that it's incredible uh, they'll serve you up a whole Thanksgiving meal every course for a very reasonable price. Chuckscafe.com. All right, first email of the show goes to Hockey Brunch in Chicago, our friend. My guy. Hockey Brunch says, I understand the Hawks' performance has been especially lackluster as of late. Uh, but going into the season, I think you both had the Hawks pegged as low-end playoff team, and that's what they look like right now. There's no Hosa. The defense is even thinner than it was last season, and they're just as dependent on Crawford for wins as they were last season, maybe more so given this year's downgrade at backup. At least this season, the flaws are all out in the open early rather than the facade of last year's regular season. Can we really expect anything better from this roster? See, that's the question. Oh, and, boy, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it's, it's hard to answer that. I mean, Root has been a, a pleasant surprise. I still want to see more of an opportunity for Alex to burn kit. I like everything about his game so far. I just want to see the puck go in the net more. That's what he needs to do, but maybe some power play time will help that. Um, I want more from Schmaltz and I think in Connor Murphy, I think those four are sort of the key to this year. And if they can't take that next step, or if two of the four of them can't, uh, pff, I, th I think you got a problem. It's kind of what we talked about all day, but uh, just sort of recapping that. That's how I feel about it. How about you? <laughs> uh, I, I like you have been impressed with what I've seen from Jan Ruda. I've been excited with Alex DeBrincat's done. I've liked what Cody Franson has brought to the mix. I just, again, there is a decided lack of star power really doing anything right now. And they need that because if they don't get it, this team's flaws become fatal. Honestly, like they become fatal to them having any chance of doing anything in the playoffs and, yeah, he's right about one thing. They definitely have their issues out in the open, at the very least. Like, at least you and I got proven right on that score. That's, what else is there to say, really? This team is a flawed team, and there are no easy fixes, and they're going to start forcing the organization to make some pretty big choices as we uh, get further into this campaign and as we get into the next few seasons. Next email here from Matthew. Uh, last podcast, you and I discussed some of the in-arena entertainment for the Hawks. They had mm -hmm. a new girl sort of uh, emceeing everything during breaks. So Matthew says, hey, guys, just listen to the latest podcast. Haven't been to United Center, but went to a Milwaukee Bucks game, and they had constant in-game entertainment during stoppages. At first, I found it kind of obnoxious, but then midway through, I totally understood. Keeping fans engaged is much harder now as you're really fighting people being on their phones. So it is a bit of a circus, but it led me. It led to fans being much more focused, and I think that would apply for even higher price tickets. Keep up the good work. Your pod is a must listen for me. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate the kind words. Uh, it's a solid point. There's more, easier to be distracted these days. I think you also just have younger people going to the games in general, so keeping them engaged is a challenge. 
Um, so I, again, I wasn't opposed to it. I, I just hadn't seen that before, and I was wondering if it was a new thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that games need to evolve a little bit, but I do like, you know, franchises like the Hawks and these old, you know, historic franchises. I like that they still let Frank Pellico play the organ, and it's not just pop music, you know, the entire sixty minutes. I like that they keep some of that old aspect of the games alive, and I know eventually it's going to be all gone. But uh, for the time being, I'm sort of clinging to what remains of that era because that's when I started loving hockey. So mm-hmm. it's natural for me to, you know, feel uh, nostalgic about that. I, I feel I feel like we really let the listeners down a little bit because I really don't think we hit enough on that smartphone generation aspect of this. Damn it, that is a really good point by Matt. Like I I didn't even think of that, but it is 100% true. If you don't seize people's attention during those breaks, you're going to have a really tough time getting it back when the action of the game starts. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and the Hawks are taking no steps. You know, that's one thing that you can't really question about McDonough is he knows how to keep a game entertaining. And, and going to a Hawks game has become an event. And, uh, you know, you just have to mm-hmm. kind of, I don't know, you just have to, you have to evolve with the times, I guess. And it's just, you know, I, it can be frustrating for longtime fans, but. Um, yeah, it is what it is. I'm not upset about it. It's just, you know, it's just times no. there are changing, as Bob, as uh, Robert Zimmerman once said. That's Bob Bob Dylan to the, uh, <laughs> you know, to those people. Uh, Gingenberger, Gingenberger. He says, as yeah. I endure another <laughs> dreadful power play during the Hawks game, I was trying to think of a question about how to fix it, but that's a waste of time. So I def- decided on a different question. When is it acceptable to start celebrating quis- Christmas? I'll hang up and listen for my answer. Oh, boy. Well, Jay, my answer is not going to be popular with you. I can already guess this. But I say as soon as Halloween is over, knock yourself the hell out, man. Christmas is an awesome time of year, and I love it. And the sooner you can do it, the better. Because, frankly, as a country and as a society, we need to celebrate things that bring us happiness. And spending time with family... And giving gifts are two things that I absolutely love doing. And so if that's going to last for six weeks, then by golly, I'll make it last for six weeks because it'll make me happy. And that's generally my rule. If something like gives you a lot of joy, express that joy and use it and do it. And I say as soon as Halloween's over, knock yourself out. I agree with you that if it brings you joy, you should start doing it. Like if you want to listen to Christmas music, fine. I just think that like November 1st is early to walk into a Target and see, like, Christmas decor and, like, uh, you know, end caps and all the decorations. Okay, yeah, my, my my opinion is people, not companies, just just for the record. So, yes, I agree with you on okay. this. Okay, yeah, that's all. I just think it's like, God, that's early. November 1st seems really early. But I get it. That's the next thing. And it's always, it's sort of over the last five or seven years, it sort of started that way. Like, when one holiday ends, the next one begins. Like, as soon mm-hmm. as Halloween's over, boom, Thanksgiving. Then, boom, Christmas. But now it's they sort of skip Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's moved right on to Christmas. Yeah. So. And, and, and we, as food aficionados, will not have this. This injustice will not stand. Oh, I agree with you. Thanksgiving is the greatest day of the year. Um, but, yeah, whatever makes you happy, man. That's how I feel. In a world, like, right now, the world is jacked, and there's a lot of sad stuff going on, and, you know, we don't even need to talk about what that has been discussed by us before and you know how we feel it's it's just a sad place to be right now so anything that makes you feel happy anything that makes you feel good go for it next email here from mark b says hey guys been a listener from the very first podcast but first time emailer Ooh, first timer question for you guys to consider you've talked about how we have to be patient and let young talent develop i would agree with that but as long as the core remains and the cap stays stagnant Are we in a cycle of developing young talent for a number of years going forward? My point being that when some of these guys begin to get where we need them to be, their contracts would be up and the Hawks may not be able to afford to resign them. He uh, cites examples. Contracts up after the season. Hayden, Hartman, Kepney, Hinnestroza, Polka, Gustafson, and Ruda. Contracts up after 2018-19. Panic, Schmaltz, Forsling, Caro. Thoughts? Uh, I think of the names you listed, there are maybe four that I think they have to keep. That would be Hartman, Kempney, Ruda, Forsling, and Schmaltz. I think the other names there 
Hayden, Henestroza, Polka, Gustafson, uh, Panic, and Carroll are replaceable. So I'm not so worried about them. And I think usually that first contract renewal is not going to break the bank by any means. So I'm not mm-hmm. really too worried about uh, those guys going forward. But your, your bigger point is correct. Well, the, the point that I'm going to make, and it's a very brief point, is that's exactly the problem that you want to have, is you want to keep getting priced out of those guys because it means that your talent acquisition and development is working the way that it is supposed to, and it will keep your window longer if you're able, open longer if you're able to do that. Next email here from Kevin Peak, our guy. He says, I don't know why I went Mike North on you there, but I did. Uh, Kevin Peak says, hey, guys. What is your take on the three-way trade today? Senators obviously got the biggest name on the trade market for a year now, but mostly what do you think of Kyle Turris heading to Nashville? How does it help them? And a real quick to all the Crawford haters out there for you, two words, suck it. Okay, Kevin, I appreciate you saying that for me. Yeah, um, yeah. the Kyle Turris angle of the Matt Duchesne trade is interesting. Uh, that makes Nashville really deep up the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the way the Predators shape out. I don't think Kyle Turris on his own is it is going to be a guy that's going to make or break a cup team he's very good um but when you have that much depth at center now that makes a team very dangerous you've seen those years where the hawks and the kings won stanley cups it's because they were so deep up the middle you had Taves, you had uh antoine vermette and on and on and on same thing with la uh that's where you want to solidify your team that's what makes deep playoff runs or teams deep at center so um, I, I like that move for Nashville. I think it's underrated. Um, again, I don't think that he's going to light up the scoreboard or, or become, you know, uh, a, a great, a great, a better scorer than he is now. It just makes them that much more deep. And uh, I really like that move for Nashville. And I'm really happy for Matt Duchesne, by the way. Mm-hmm. God, that saga has been going on for two years. Like, just let the guy out of it. Just trade him already. Yeah, but they traded him to Ottawa, dude. It's That's like boring. it's like being released from prison and told, "Well, by the way, your halfway house is in Winnipeg." I know. It's like you'll never hear the name Matt Duchesne ever again. <laughs> <laughs> but at least he's traded. At least he, that that's done hanging over his head. So Good I'm happy Lord, for him. Yeah. There's definitely better destinations to go, but at least he's got a you know that that drama is finally over. Mm-hmm. Right, another email here from Gingenberger. He thought of a hockey question. What the hell? He said, Ginger, is Murphy bad? Thanks. Oh, God. Well, we already <laughs> talked about this, so screw you, Gingenberger. Yeah, good point. Uh, <laughs> email here from Steve M. He says, hey, guys, great job on the podcast. Uh, the kitty cat needs to go down to the AHL. Uh-oh. He's proven he can do one thing, and that's take up a roster spot. The Hawks need to bring up either Vinny or Matt Highmore. I know it's not much, but it would be something. Plus, can we try find anyone to trade for Sharp? Um, boy, I I don't know. I, again, DeBrinkett's done everything Quinville wants him to do. You're right. The offense has not been there. That's for Why sure. Why has I think, the offense not been there, Jay? I, I they're jacking him around on every line. Dang. Put him with different line mates every night. Not they're using not him on the, on the power, power play. play. Dang, dang. Do you really think they're going to use Henestrosa or Highmore in that way? That's going to maximize what they can do. I offer you this. No, they're not. I do not think that sending him down, I do not think that's a smart idea at this point. I agree with you on that one. Uh, email here from Dan Horgan. says, my name's Dan. I'm from the South Suburbs, a newer listener to the podcast. Ooh, I came across your podcast about a month ago and have listened ever since. I'm sorry. I'm, cu- <laughs> I'm curious as to what you guys think about Nick Schmaltz as a center. His face-off percentage has significantly improved in the last few weeks, but still yes, well below indeed. 50%. Is that because he's more of a third-line center going against other teams' first lines? Thanks. Have a great rest of your week. Uh, I think he has to be a center, just out of necessity. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's ideal, but they need to get him to develop at center. Uh, I I still think he can. It's just, um, you know, maybe he's not your ideal number two at this point in his career. But early on this year, he looked like a world beater. He's taken a step back, obviously, over the last little bit. But I still have faith that he's going to develop into a legit number two center. So I don't have a huge problem with him there right now at all. Excellent question by Dan. I think that, like you said, it's a matter of necessity right now. I also would point out that Artem Anisimov is doing a hell of a lot better in the faceoff dot, too, which is really exciting to see. 
definitely. All right, you got a winner for us? You got a best uh, a best uh, email of the show? I was thinking about picking Gingenburger because of his Christmas question, but then he tried to double dip, so screw that guy. Um, yeah. I thought that Hockey Brunch asked a really – I thought they were all really good questions today, honestly. Like, we, we actually got some really strong emails today, so I really hope – that when you give Matthew his card, that it's a really good one. Because I'm picking him based on the fact that he brought up the smartphone generation aspect of the in-arena entertainment experience that I did not think of. So I'm picking Matthew as my winner. All right, let's pick the card here. Let me sift through my box, so to speak. Do-do-do, what do we have here? No, no, This looks like, ooh, this is a good one. This is a Brett Hole Pro Set. Booyah. Nice. Yes. That Brett is. Brett Hole. That is Oh, worthy. it's all in French, too. Ooh. Sexy. Mm. <laughs> that honestly, honestly is, that is worthy of the questions that we got today. I want to give even Gingenberger, who I know that we like to give a lot of grief to. Those yeah. were some really good questions today, man. We, our listeners, you guys brought the heat today. Well done. For sure. Thank you guys for listening. James. Solid podcast. Hopefully next week is a little more uplifting. <laughs> um, this was a tough one. This was hard to grind through. Um, but thank you for being here with me. Thank you for tolerating my technical difficulties. Uh, and we'll catch you guys soon on the next Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which is always brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's and Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save. We'll talk to you soon on the next Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hey, it's Rick from upstairs. Yeah, I take it seriously. When I play R&B at one in the morning, that's me saying, hey, I'm here for you. And I enjoy repetitive bass lines. I only use expired batteries in my smoke detectors. <laughs> nice, right? Yeah, upstairs neighbors help people forget their troubles. Give them something else to focus on. Ooh, want to see how high I can jump? Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor. No, wait, let me try again. But we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so, too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.